welcome to Contracting Conversations. My name is Jim Valley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Williams. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Steve Fasco, DAU's subject matter expert for personal services. This is our fourth in the series on personal services. So welcome back, Steve. Thanks. Glad to be here. All right. So this is the last one. So let's make it good. So in the third episode, we discuss government dependence on contractors, challenges, contractors function and benefits and awards as they relate to personal services. What we will see today and we've been talking about in this fourth part of our personal services is what, Steve? Well, we're going to look at government's responsibility and direct supervision and personal relationships and preventing these de facto personal services. Well, that's a lot, Steve. That sounds good. Hey, you mentioned in our previous episode, and as Jim mentioned, folks, we have done this as part four in our series, so give those other ones a listen, that we are not allowed to supervise contractor personnel because this could create a de facto personal services situation. You said that your most frequently asked question is how we can ensure that, that work gets done if we cannot supervise the contract employees. So what is the government's responsibility in regards to ensuring that the work gets done? Well, it's the government's responsibility to monitor contract compliance and not interfere with employer-employee relationships. Sure, there may be situations where a government employee needs to interfere to prevent harm to health or safety, and maybe, you know, some sort of imminent type danger that can happen um, based on the contract and employee's actions. But all concerns should be reported to the contracting officer. Common areas where government employees get in trouble by creating personal services situations is telling the contractors to hire or fire a particular employee, reassigning or disciplining a contracted employee, um, granting or denying leave, and change employees' duties duty hours. These Tasks are strictly the responsibility of the contractor, but the contracting officer can bring up concerns with the contractor. So be wary of any service contract which requires the contractor to be co-located with a requiring activity and under the direct supervision of the U.S. government instead of supervised through the contractor. If the work statement calls for services that apply to an employee Instead of a contractor for a specific service or good, it's a personal services contract. And if the contract does not fall under the statutory requirement, it is subject to termination by an auditor mid-execution. Wow, Steve. Uh, Many government employees have day-to-day interactions with contractor employees. Are there any prohibitions against building personal friendships? In short, no. I mean, that's a common thing that happens and there's really, you know, it's not a negative thing necessarily. You need to build a relationship with the contractor, but understand your boundaries in that relationship, you know, certain ethics and authority issues and set the tone for a successful outcome. The close relationship between contractors and government employees may inadvertently allow the contractor to influence decision-making concerning their own work. The government contracting process is designed to give fair competition to contractors capable of completing requirements for supplies or services. The Comptroller General expressed concerns that 
the risk of contractor influencing control over decisions concerning their own work increases with DOD's reliance on contractors. This concern has led the Comptroller General, who is the head of GAO, to conduct GAO audits of contracting functions to seek unauthorized and mismanaged personal services contracts. So, Steve, are there certain guidelines one should use in assessing whether or not a proposed contract could be personal in nature? Sure, there's certain elements that you have to look at. One is performance on a government site and our principal tools and equipment furnished by the government. Are services applied directly to the integral effort of agencies or as an organizational subpart supporting the assigned functions or mission? Are comparable services, meeting comparable needs, performed in the same or similar process using civil service personnel? Can the need for the type of service provided reasonably be expected to not last beyond one year? And does the inherent nature of the service or manner in which it is provided reasonably require direct or indirect government direction or supervision of contractor employees in order to, one, adequately protect the government's interest, and two, retain control of functions involved, or three, retain full personal responsibility for functions supported in a duly authorized federal office or employee. So, Steve, how can we better prevent unauthorized personal services then? There are certain things that we need to avoid to ensure that we do not have unauthorized personal services. One would be determining who should perform contract tasks or how they should be done. We should avoid pressuring or influencing the contractor to use favorite employees or insist on particular personnel actions. Avoid using government or contractor personnel interchangeably. Avoid supervising contractor employees. Avoiding rating individual contractor employee performance, and avoiding requiring out-of-scope work or inherently governmental functions. Uh, required services are specified in the contract, and there are no other duties as assigned. All right, thanks, Steve. So this is the last part of our four-part series on personal services. So is there anything you want to close with before we end the series? Yeah, I just say I had a lot of fun doing this, and I appreciate you having me on here. And just to kind of keep in mind that when we are working alongside contractor personnel, you know, we need to be cautious. Uh, we need to be cautious in the the terminology and the ways that we're writing our requirements. You know, and keep an eye out for some of these things that we talked about, so as to avoid unauthorized personal services contracts or acting in a way that could create de facto personal services situations. Okay, great. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Jim and I appreciate you coming on the uh, podcast with us and doing four uh, separate series on personal services. I think it's really valuable, and I think the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So thanks again, Steve, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. So that is all the time we have for today. But please, if you haven't already, subscribe to our Contracting Conversations channel. Type any comments below to include your questions for future discussions. And spread the word of this channel to your peers and to those you supervise or lead. 
Let us help you answer their questions, and we look forward to having future contracting conversations with you.